1: Welcome to the Pirates of the Caribbean Minute, a daily podcast where we analyze, scrutinize, and plunder the Pirates of the Caribbean films one blimey minute at a time. I'm Scott Artis from scottartis.com.
0: And I'm Heather Artis from blackpearlminute.com.
1: Thanks for joining us for Minute 126 of The Curse of the Black Pearl. It's another one of those keep-my-mouth-shut introductions because I'm really just eager to get the ball rolling and get the weekend started. I gotta imagine you are too, because... It's a new day, and you are still sick. I don't know what's going on here, but I don't like it.
0: I don't know it either. It's really, it's You're really
1: annoying. You're drive listeners away by the hordes. Yeah. Because of your downtrodden, beat-down attitude here. You know,
0: you probably should have tried doing this by yourself, just putting in my voice.
1: I could have. I have done that before, and I opted not to do it. I know those are your favorite episodes out there, because they don't really know, but they go, boy, she is really lively today. <laughs> yeah. And I go... Thank you. Thank you very much. So, yeah, sick again. You're just, man, it's just a bummer.
0: It is a bummer. Everybody
1: out there, going, oh, I just feel so depressed after listening to it. And obviously she brought down the whole execution or drumbeat information from yesterday because she just really just deteriorated all that. And slapped down Owen while you are at it. I our town down. clerk. It's just, it's just so brutal. I mean, there really is so much Pirates of the Caribbean to discuss. Theories, characters, movies as a whole, books and the expanded universe. But I'm starting to want to hold off on those conversations given that there may be some new parts of the Caribbean Minute show developments coming after we wrap up Curse of the Black Pearl and then before we start Dead Man's Chest. So no spoilers. Just more on that when we close the chapter on Season 1 and Curse of the Black Pearl. And then we'll start to filter some of that information out.
0: Okay. Sounds like a plan.
1: Boy, you sound really excited today. You're just on top of this. Are you ready to get this party started or are you just going to take a nap over there today? I
0: may take a slight nap. Just just keep going.
1: Well, you are taking naps most of the time anyways because you're not really paying attention to what we're talking about. So I guess it is normal. You're right. I had to go there. Whatever, dude. Even though you're sick, I still got to just keep the... Ridiculous. Are you yawning again on this thing? No, Man, what is going on with you ah! in the previous minute it's a hell of a roller coaster ride as Captain Jack Sparrow crowns himself king of Isla de Muerta King of the island of the Dead it's no immortal Captain Jack Sparrow but it does have a nice ring to it like other monarchies in history this too is short-lived as the immortal I mean King I mean Captain I mean plain old ordinary Jack Sparrows christened with the moniker of death his throne the gallows on Port Royal the good news? Is that all his closest friends, like Commodore Norrington, are in attendance to watch him swing? Long live the king. Minute 126 begins with the town clerk continuing to read Jack's crimes against the crown to the crowd. That has gathered to witness the hanging. He continues with, Sinister in nature, the most egregious of these to be cited herewith. Piracy, smuggling. The town clerk recites as Will Turner sneaks into the crowd and looks on at the less than jovial festivities. We pan to Elizabeth Swan, who quietly says, This is wrong, to her father. The minute ends with Will approaching and addressing Commodore Norrington, Elizabeth Swan, and Governor Swan. He continues, Elizabeth, I should have told you every day, from the moment I met you, dot dot dot.
0: Told him what?
1: Elizabeth, I'm not really a blacksmith.
0: <laughs> I'm pirate.
1: Pirate? He's like in the sailor's apprentice, or something <laughs> like that. He's all... I'm a candle maker, and I know you have a fondness for candles on board ships. Yes. And then love would have been just really right there. Blooming
0: right there. Exactly. Just like a rose.
1: What better way to start this minute off than reading the full list of crimes against Jack Sparrow? Captain Jack Sparrow, I should say. Most of them are heard during the town clerk's speech, and then a few get muffled as other dialogue is overlaid from Elizabeth and Will. But with the help of the book, Pirates of the Caribbean, Secret Files of the East India Trading Company, I rounded out the list. The list the town clerk provided, so I thought I'd just give those a go.
0: Okay, let's hear them.
1: Especially since you're over there sleeping, I figured I could just see how many I could get through before you actually woke back up. The complete list as follows. Piracy, smuggling, falsification of letters of mark and reprisal, impersonating an officer of the Spanish Royal Navy, impersonating a cleric of the Church of England, sailing under false colors, arson, kidnapping, looting, poaching, brigandage. Which is essentially highway robbery and plunder, for those who didn't know that out there.
0: I didn't. Thank you.
1: You're welcome. Pilfering, depravity, and general lawlessness. Yar, hang them from the yardarm. That's almost the same list of crimes you've accumulated over the past few years. Really? Yeah, pretty much. What's
0: that supposed to mean? If the, depravity,
1: if the depravity fits.
0: <laughs> it's ridiculous.
1: That's the complete list. And my favorite moment... In this particular minute is when the town clerk reads the charge of impersonating a cleric of the Church of England. Something about Jack's reaction that just gets me every time. Not only that, he's so proud of that one. He is. That's the standout crime for him. That's the one that he's found has maybe these fond memories of, maybe I should say. And that he's thinking, yeah, I did that.
0: He was so proud of it. He actually turned to the executioner. And was going to actually tell him the story.
1: You think he was going to tell him the story?
0: Oh, yeah. He opened his mouth like he was going to start talking. And then he's like, oh.
1: I thought it was more of he smiles to himself because he's like, yeah, that's awesome. And then he turns to the executioner hoping that he finds it funny, too. But I'm not actually sure it's appropriate to crack a smile on the hangman. Isn't that bad for him? I mean, either way, it's awesome. But he kind of turned. I think he was going to say something like, yeah.
0: I think he likes to tell stories. He does like to tell stories. I think he wanted to actually tell the story to him.
1: Maybe. I guess I could see Jack saying that. And then they made me their cleric. Exactly. It goes from there. But I just love the reaction that he has on that. That is just.
0: It's pretty funny. Yeah.
1: He nailed that performance because I, well, it reminded me of something in the Thomas Crown Affair, that remake with Pierce Brosnan. Yeah. And it must be something with the way that he smiles and he's proud of it. Because in Thomas Crown Affair, the detective, at least I think it's the detective or maybe it's the insurance investigator. Maybe it's both. I don't remember. But that's irrelevant to the story. However, they are investigating a stolen painting and a forgery that they have. This forgery painting that he replaces it with. So they go talk to a prison inmate. And he's the foremost forger that's in prison. Yeah. And to help. Their idea is that they can help enlist him to maybe get some information or identify who could have painted this painting so well. Yeah. He doesn't say anything, of course, but he does smile to himself in this kind of covert smile. Right. And that's because he recognized the artistry and the skill used to forge the painting, which, spoilers, turns out to be his daughter. It's that same smile. Jack's impressed with his own skills. And I just love it. He's just... I am the bomb, is what he's yeah. thinking. How can nobody be laughing at this? Because he's expecting everybody in the audience, well, audience, <laughs> its not really yeah. in the crowd, to also find that funny and laugh at it. Right. He just doesn't realize that, boy, that's just bad form and overstepped the bounds yeah. of decency when he impersonated a cleric and a priest and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. But I, I thought that was just great. My favorite little bit there. Because it's not even that big of a joke. It's just, his reaction that takes it over the top. Yeah. We end up panning to Elizabeth and she ends up stepping up to say that this is wrong. And finally, someone recognizes that Jack saved the day. Jack does his little thing. He's smiling away. He kind of gets the shut down from the executioner who doesn't reciprocate on that little humorous bit. There doesn't, I guess the executioner didn't find it funny, but I don't know. Do you want to, do you want a humorous executioner or do you just want to, Solemn, deadly, serious, pun intended executioner. You want somebody cracking jokes while you're up there?
0: Yeah. Oh, so well. give your last moments a little laugh.
1: But is it really that funny though? I don't know. <laughs> you want him really to be cracking jokes up there?
0: No, not really, I guess.
1: I think that's just maybe it's not doesn't look good on the reference when you're looking for a new job as an executioner. They're like, oh, I called your references and they said you were cracking jokes up there. That's not what we're <laughs> looking for in somebody. But we end up transitioning to Elizabeth, and she's really the only one, finally, somebody does, to step up and admit this is wrong. Finally, somebody recognizes that Jack saved the day. But then again, Norrington and Governor Swan were ready to hang Jack for being a pirate at the beginning of the movie, even after saving Elizabeth. So I guess I don't see a problem with them showing no love towards Jack here. But Elizabeth is coming to rescue him again, which is interesting. Yeah. And these guys didn't like bookends. These are kind of mini bookends that are rounding about and coming back. Same character developments. Maybe not really a bookend, but kind of. Governor Swan responds that Norrington is bound by the law. Okay, they all are. Which, let's be honest, it does make sense. Especially given someone has to go down for the Interceptor debacle. And Norrington is definitely not going to take the blame for that one. No. From a real life point of view, I get it. Although perhaps a more appropriate punishment for the movie scenario could have been prison with the opportunity for parole for Jack. I mean, he did do a lot of good in maybe a way, sort of way, yeah. And like I was saying, in a real life scenario, you can kind of see this. I mean, it happens in the movies, but in reality, you don't often let or forgive crimes for... Because they did one good deed. Does that really take away? And so you can kind of see that and see where it's coming from. But in the movie, it's a different story. It's a different world. Exactly. Jack's kind of a good guy. He is. In an interesting way. Yes. In a pirate kind of way. Which does kind of get us back to some stuff that happened in the previous minute. And I'll touch on that later today because it's part of my, say... Really bad egg segment, and that's why I kind of left it off, glaringly left it off from yesterday's conversation. And plus, you are just not up to par, and you're just kind of hanging out, so I can't cover everything in my notes. And it shouldn't be forgotten of why all this is happening here, too, because, again, this is the age of piracy and gibbeting and hangings.
0: Or what was done?
1: Yeah, I mean, leniency for pirates was not heard of. No. They were to be made examples of, like the three pirates hanging off the coast of Port Royal. Ye be warned kind of deal. As I mentioned, too, I think this was yesterday, Norrington could have let Jack slip away. Yeah. If he really wanted to. But I do have to say that Will finally mans up and begins to profess his love for Elizabeth here. I don't want to get too much into this now since the bulk of this discussion can happen in the next minute. But I'll just say... It's about freaking time, Will.
0: Exactly.
1: You're the exactly master today. It's like... I
0: know. I'm sorry.
1: Yeah, you should apologize to everybody out there. Jeez.
0: Ah! Those days.
1: So, Will, professing his love, or at least that's what we can see, is going to happen. So, I'm finally glad that he's doing that. And maybe we'll, like I said, have it's more of a discussion time. on Monday when we can talk about the reasons he is doing that. But there's one thing I can't let go. Every time I see the movie, it just comes up. And it's a bit of criticism, if you will. Yeah, I'm going to go there. It's when Cotton's parrot soils Mulroy's uniform. We get more parrot soiling action next minute as well. I think it's the next minute or some minutes coming up. But that is just not realistic. That's not realistic bird soiling action.
0: Are you a bird soiling expert?
1: Yeah, I have to say it. I am actually a bird expert. So there you go. (laughs) That's my day job. So, I know what I'm talking about.
0: It's like a bottle of whiteout? Yeah,
1: it's like somebody squirted or dispensed this stuff from a squeeze bottle. It's like they got a ketchup bottle of (laughs) fake bird poop that they squirt out on that. It comes out all wrong. Like I said, yes, I'm a bird expert. I know what this does. That's not how it happens. Well, maybe living on the ocean has given Cotton's parrot a serious slimy issue thing going on there. (laughs) If it didn't appear so unrealistic, I'd venture to say... That maybe it's worse than the real deal, like a quick plop and it's done. This is a prolonged experience. This is really squirting it out there.
0: It's really showing how he feels.
1: Yeah, I mean, given we don't get more of this in this minute, do we? I don't know if we really need to talk more about this great bird poop incident of Pirates of the Caribbean right now. I don't think so. I mean, we have standards on this show, for God's (laughs) sake. We draw the line at euphemisms that step over the line, but bird poop and poop humor. That is below us. (laughs) At least for right now. Yes. I'm not even quite sure how we transition to really bad eggs after that. We just accept the abruptness of it and then declare it's time for our favorite lines of the week. Is that how it goes? Really
0: bad eggs.
1: Strike your colors, you blooming cockroaches. Hands, grapnels at the ready. Prepare to board. It's time for really bad eggs. So what do you have for us today, Heather?
0: I'm going to go with Pintel and his parlay. I know I mentioned this a few days ago, and um, I just wanted to bring it up again. I really find it interesting. He said, "No more parlays." Earlier in the movie, you know, he yeah. didn't want to hear any more anybody else mention parlay, and in fact, he thought it was a stupid word and <sighs> wondered who made, who created it. And so, I just thought it was funny that he is actually saying parlay in this situation when he'd said no more.
1: Well, we talked about that. Yeah, he is now using anything he can in the book to try and get some leniency here. Yeah. And I think that also for writing, that was just kind of a smart, funny move for them to bring that line back. Because Parlay has definitely been a running theme throughout the entire movie of everybody trying to use it to their advantage or to get out of a situation. Right. Mine comes from minute 125. And you can tell I'm moving this along quickly because of Heather's beat down attitude today. Delivered by Captain Jack Sparrow they done what's right by them. Can't expect more than that. That's a good a, line. Huh?
0: That's a good line.
1: I had a tough time this week choosing a line, but eventually settled with this one from Jack. It's not bad, and actually says a lot about Jack as a pirate. An honorable pirate, yeah. if that's kind of a thing. And how he really lives his life. He veers off and helps people here and there when it fits his agenda, so to speak. But in essence, he does what's right by him. He holds to his own set of moral codes. He abides by... The pirate code as well. And he cannot blame others for them doing the same thing. Doing what's right by them. But this is in the world he wants and understands. He would do the same thing if he was on the Pearl and they were in the cave. Right. The rules of the pirate game are established and he's playing by the rules. It's just like the Motley crew They're playing by pirate rules. Yep. He's not happy about the outcome right now. No. But it's not being marooned on an island. Exactly. That's the difference. Yeah, the ship is gone. That's what he wanted. But he's a pirate. That's also the name of his theme song. That's his excuse for cheating. It's as simple as that. A pirate is what he understands. And he understands why they do things. When yeah. you take him out of that pirate element, it's what are you doing? Like Will, questioning fighting honorably. Yeah. For him, that's the only reason and the only excuse he needed was pirate. Yeah. Because everybody should just fight like that. Especially if you're fighting a pirate, it's no holds bar. It's just, this is what you got to do to win. You got to do whatever you can. And that's what his crew, or the Motley crew, were doing as well. Right. They don't know, is he going to live or die? Or is he already dead? They don't want to be captured gonna, either. Yeah, we're not going to stick around to find out what is going on in there. Yeah. And if we run into him again later, we'll just apologize and say, hey, we didn't want to get captured by the Navy. We didn't yep. want the Black Pearl to fall into the Navy's hands. So, I think that that's... His understanding of it, which is kind of interesting, again, it's about his life and how he lives his life, but he also understands everyone else who lives by that code. Right. That's because he lives in that world, and that's a world he understands and makes sense to him. So that's why I chose it. Did you have anything else? Are we just going to make this a short episode and call it a day because uh, it's Friday, you obviously need to rest up and come back as a normal functioning human on the show after you've just depressed everybody and... All that fun stuff. I agree. Okay. We'll be back on Monday with Minute 127 of The Curse of the Black Pearl on the Pirates of the Caribbean Minute. Until then, let's keep the horns swoggling to a minimum. And if you're not, better, to Davy Jones's locker you go, because you can't just keep bringing the whole audience down on the show. That's just ridiculous. I'll send you to the deep. It's a deal, buddy. No kidding, it is. There's no deal to make. As captain of the ship, I'll maroon you on an island, for sure. What's that, Banjo? Heather's been drinking at the Faithful Bride Tavern? Take me to her, buddy! Blimey! Passed out in the mud with the pigs? Again? This sty is your second home! Heather, wake up! The show's done and you're supposed to tell everyone where they can find us, where the after party is, and how their voicemail may be featured on the show! Banjo, get me a bucket! Hey, Scallywags, while Banjo's getting some water to wake up Heather, it's time I say thanks for listening. If you like the show, give us a review on iTunes. It helps us out, and we greatly appreciate it. Have a question or comment? Give us a call at 8637-PIRATE. We just might play your voicemail on the show. You can also give us a shout at podcast at blackpearlminute.com. And don't forget to join the post-episode brawls on Facebook and Twitter. If you're interested in our best of clips, you can find us on SoundCloud. All the links are at blackpearlminute.com. It's that easy.